Welcome to Hallmarked Up with Mary and Sarah. Smell the chestnuts roasting down the street. In Italy, latte means plain milk. Why didn't I know that? That's why you hired me. Okay. I know one of the best coffee to be set up right now. First Australian boyfriend's parents, when I, before I met them, they had been in Italy for five weeks. His dad was like really Aussie, really left the country. He was like, Let me get you coffee. Don't order a latte in Italy, but just bring your milk. <laughs> when you're in love at Christmas time. It's the best time of the year when you're in love at Christmas time. I have a lot of thoughts. We've just finished watching Christmas in Rome. Luckily, Mary has returned to us for this episode. And Hello. We have a guest, again, Megan, who has been on before. We're very happy to have her back. That's right. It's just post Thanksgiving. We even had like leftovers before we watched this movie. Thanks to Megan. That's right. Megan's leftovers, which were delicious. It's the Italian in me. I always provide some food. That's right. Wait, you're part Italian? Mm-hmm. I actually did not know this. Yeah, half Italian. My mom. Wait. Wow. I had no idea. <laughs> Let's try and recap in as little amount of time as possible, but it might be difficult. All right, so first of all, this movie stars Gretchen Wieners. That's right. Lacey Chabert, but I, I prefer to think of her as Gretchen Wieners as Angela De Luca, um, a tour guide in Rome who loses her job in the first scene because she keeps taking people to off-the-beaten-path places and doesn't just want to do the like top 10 tourist destinations and one-day sort of tour. Even yes. though everybody seems to love her. Yeah, everybody loves her, but they fire her anyways. Her boss, Tommaso, is kind of a dick about it. But she keeps taking people to places like Luca's Bakery, where, like, I don't know. Il Forno. Il Forno, which literally mm -hmm. just means the bakery. So, I mean, cool. Could have been any bakery. Right. But anyway, she apparently feeds a French pastry to a gluten-free guest. And I don't know. I think this leads to the firing. So, anyways, long story short, she's fired. Meanwhile, Oliver is looking to be promoted to VP of his company. And in order to do this... He is looking to acquire this business in Italy that makes ceramics. The business is owned by one Luigi Forlinghetti. Was that it? Mm -hmm. It's definitely what his business was called. Forlinghetti. Yeah. He's looking to acquire the ceramics company that seems to be, you know, Luigi's family business. It looks like Luigi's looking to retire. And um, he's looking for a buyer for the company. And Oliver's company wants to be that company. Luigi is not a character on IMDb. Oh, he should what? have been. He had the kindest no. eyes. He, he did have. I don't know who played Luigi. He was also the most believable out of all the characters. So we've got Angela slash Gretchen Wieners, uh, who has recently been fired from her tour guide job for being too creative. And we've got um, Mr. Solus, what's his face, CEO type, trying to acquire for the Getty Ceramics. Of course, they literally run into each other, meaning, you know, they're both walking in front of Castel Sant'Angelo, and they just literally walk right into each other and have this elaborate conversation about it, more so than you would ever have with someone you run into. And then he asks her directions to this restaurant. I guess his phone's not working or something. 
So she gets to the restaurant where he's going to meet Luigi, and Luigi just, like, inexplicably invites her to stay and have their meal with them while they talk business and be their sort of, like, cultural interpreter, which definitely a thing you always do with women you run into on the street. Is... Well, and an Italian person who's, like, obviously knows more about the culture than anyone surely doesn't need that woman there to help. But... I mean, maybe he figures that she's going to you know, bridge the cultural gap between maybe what's his face and Luigi. What's the guy's name again? Oliver. Oliver, thank you. Yeah. It's such a nice name for I think a a shitty character. <laughs> there I said it. Very not American to me. It sounds really like he's from Oh that's true. British. It sounds quite British. But um, um yeah. So anyways, so they have this meal together and um, Oliver, of course, wants to jump right into things and start talking business right away. And Luigi's like, we got food here. Like, let's talk about life and food first because we have to get to know each other first. And, uh, and Luigi also implies that, like, he should learn some cultural things while he's in Italy and right. not just be all business. Right. Learn about Rome a little bit. You know, he asks him, like, what are you doing while you're in Rome? And he's like, well, coming to this meeting and sleeping at my hotel and going home. And he, you know, clearly disapproves of that plan. So after this meeting, Oliver makes the decision to hire Angela to be his personal tour guide around Rome for the next few days in hopes of bridging this cultural gap. It, it felt a bit pretty woman to me, <laughs> but it, it, of course, was Hallmark, so it wasn't going to go there at all. And yeah, that's one way of describing it. I'm not sure what serious opinion of, of tour guides is based on that comment. <laughs> but, it's just um, like, I will hire you for a week. And then, that's what I thought. And then we'll fall in love. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, and it won't be awkward at all. So, of course, at the beginning, he's kind of like, all right, I've got this list of, like, the ten, you know, things I have to see in Rome, and we're going to do them all in one day. And she takes his tour book and throws it in the garbage, and she's like, no, I'm going to show you the real Rome. And in what way her tour represents the real Rome, I'm not really sure. But anyways, so he proceeds to, of course, like, the first day of their tour is be this stuffy businessman who, like, doesn't want to live. And then, like, literally overnight become this, like, person who's just sort of, like, throwing care to the wind. And, like, suddenly he wants to live in the moment and, like, enjoy Rome and be in Italy and stuff. And, like, I'm not buying it, but whatever. Like, like immediately, it seems. They end up back at, um, at Il Forno, which right. is her favorite bakery that we've talked about before. Run by, called the yeah. Bakery. yeah, Il Forno literally means the bakery. Okay, to be fair... There are a couple of different words for bakery in Italian. There's il forno, there's panetteria, which both mean like a bread bakery, and then there's pasticceria, which is like a pastry shop. Anyways, point is, forno is one of several words that literally means a bakery. A bakery. So they go there, and Luca, her friend who runs the bakery, he just takes them back to the kitchen and like sets them free, and they make a panettone together, and they have like a bread rolling hand holding-ish moment that was a bit like ghost. Yeah, definitely. And um, so that is what they're going to take to Luigi's family dinner that he's now invited them to. So yeah, Luigi's now invited them to a family dinner and um, they go to it. It's extremely unclear to us in what sense it's a family dinner as no one related to Luigi <laughs> yes. seems to be present. There's two other Americans there, a couple that was called like Margaret and something else. And something important that happens during this family dinner does involve that American couple, and so it seems that their reason for being there was more about the plot than it was about them being Luigi's family in any sense. And because... He, his, his wife was there, but that's the only other, like, 
Yeah, his wife's there. Person there. He seems to have family. He seems to have family, though, because Oliver, I believe, on Angela's suggestion, brought presents for his grandkids. Oh, yeah, that's right. But there are no grandkids to be seen. And it's, we think, specifically was mentioned this is the 23rd of December, right? 22nd, yeah. Tomorrow is December 22nd, and we're having our annual family Christmas dinner. Yes. It's kind of like, okay, that's... So we know the day. It's quite close to Christmas. It's a family annual dinner, and it's very limited family present. Right. But I think that's because we've already hit our kid quota for this movie, because um, we met um, earlier Angela's neighbor and her kid, Monica, um, and they, you know, made gingerbread together and stuff like that. Yes, yes, yes. Exactly. And we just, like ticked off that box of so, like yeah. child so, present and Angela has a close relationship with said child. Right. That's not even her relative. Right. But she calls her Zia, which means aunt. So that's anyway. right. Anyway, so um we're at the family dinner. It's not a family dinner, but whatever. And this other American couple agrees to hear Angela's business plan um because they like investing in small business. So Angela's now got the business plan to work on. Well and Oliver sends her like a, a template for how to make the most amazing business plan ever. Right. Because so. obviously if you just have the right template, anyone can write a business plan then. Right. Without so. any skills whatsoever. So she's writing this business plan in her downtime when she's not, you know, giving all of her personalized toys around Rome and like making eyes at him. And so um she does, you know, pitch her plan to them and when she says she's got like 10 tour guides lined up and ready to go and I'm kind of like who are these people if we met them like anyways yeah, she's um, super ready she's super ready she's super into it and at some point in fact during one of their tours around Rome right on St. Peter's Square who do they run into but Tommaso Angela's old boss who oh, yes. fired her and he's like oh hey Angela you're giving a tour to like just one dude and um and at which point Oliver jumps in is like, well, yes, actually, she started her own business. It's boutique, you know, customized individual tours. And so, like... Very successful already, of course. Very successful already and just, like, completely lies about this successful new business that she's definitely already started in the, like, 72 hours since she was fired from her old job. But, I mean, it's still kind of a nice moment because I still, like, you know, watching her boss be sad because, like, bosses who fire you should, in fact, be sad. That's the thing that should happen. Well, and, and Oliver, of course, is now, with his templated business plan, going to help her get this investment right. happening. Also, in the background, um, Luigi's still contemplating who to sell the business to, mm-hmm. which is very important. He wants the person to have heart. So now we've reached a crucial moment where there have been many of those, like, I would date you, except you're my client sort of things, or vice versa. And so finally they've had a moment where they're like, well, we're wrapping up our tour, so I would like to ask you an official date. Oh, yeah, they do go on a proper date. They do go on a proper date. In preparation for the proper date, we see Oliver in the Fortlingetti Christmas ornament workshop. Yes, 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 that's right. So he's going to go on this date, so he's at the ornament shop with... Luigi, and he's painting an ornament, and Luigi kind of gives him this speech that says, I really, I hate to sort of say this to you, but it's very important to me that I have someone that really has heart in this and cares about my shop, my ceramics place. And of course, he's kind of like leading him down this garden path that he is probably not the person, and even Oliver is like, okay, so but we're not that, I get it. And he said, no, no, no. I pick you. 
I see you, and essentially, I think, because you saw him, like, painting this ornament, and therefore, he has heart. Right. And it, it turns out Oliver also took some art classes, and it's, like, a lost passion of him. So he, he, got the, he got the deal, and he made this ornament for Angela, and so he takes Angela out to dinner, and they're clearly madly in love. They actually kiss, which, you know, it's not that common in Hallmark movies to kiss before the end of the movie, but well, they do kiss. This is the theme this year. It, that, it's, it's happened more than once. Yeah. But there is a barrier to their romance, so it can't just end happily ever after now because he's closed his deal. He's going back to New York, and she still lives in Rome. And, like, I don't Plus know. Plus, his old boss is, like, already on the phone going, get back here. During this date, his old boss calls him and is like, uh, hi, we need you back on the 26th for meetings. And he's like, oh, I was thinking of sticking around longer. And she's like, no, you can't because we just promoted you to VP because you closed this deal. Because he's so amazing at his job. And of course, Oliver is kind of like immediately conflicted, but he does make the plan to go back to New York. Meanwhile, Angela's like, oh, he's going, I don't know what to do, and a little bit conflicted herself, because of course she's already decided that she maybe wants to commit to like potentially a long distance thing. And so then we have these scenes of her having this like heart to heart with the neighbor who's the one with the kid. Yep. And she's all like, oh, Angela, I've never seen you look at anyone like that before and all the time I've known you. And she's like, I really feel like I've known him forever. But, you know, and then the neighbor says something about like, but, you know, when it's love, it's like love. And then Angela's like, I didn't say anything about love. And then the neighbor says, you didn't have to. Aww. Aww. So anyways, um, so she decides, what is she doing? She's crazy. She needs to make it work. She needs to find Gotta him. Gotta go find him. And she calls him and he's not answering. She doesn't know why he's not answering. Well, it turns out he dropped his phone in the sink. That's right. Phone's um, all ruined. It reminds me of how, like, you know, half of, like, Shakespeare's plots would have been resolved with a cell phone. So now we need, we need to, like, in order to make a plot we have interesting, to ruin the we have to somehow, like, disabilitate. Absolutely. Like, uh, what's the word for that? You have to somehow, like, make the phone malfunction. So, um, so she goes to his hotel but he's already checked out. And amazingly, this American investment couple, Margaret and whoever, are also staying in that hotel. And they're like, oh, he just left and he went to St. Peter's Square. And he's at the Carrolls. And they hop on their Vespas and they're like, but how are we going to find them? How are we going to find him? Because St. Peter's Square will be huge at this Carrolls and we will never find him. And she says, don't worry, I have this GPS tracking button that I put on him that I always give my tour guides and so I don't lose them. Which we don't really know why she didn't think of that in the first place. I mean, to be fair, even if you thought of that in the first place, wouldn't it have been creepy? Well, but it's pretty creepy anyway. I mean, that's a good point. But when he eventually finds out about it, he of course is not going to be creeped out. No, he's just like, but I don't I digress. Know, everything's happy. So they go to St. Peter's Square, there is singing. They find, and the singing is actually relatively like just Latin. Just oh yeah, they were singing Adeste Fidelis. So yeah. It's so it's like beautiful choral singing, and she like screams across the whole fucking plaza, like, Oliver, yeah. <laughs> where are you? Yeah, and like doesn't get a single dirty. No, from it's silent in the crowd. She's just, and then they continue to talk over the music with no one else talking around them, and he's like, you can't leave, you can't leave, blah blah blah, and they. The and she's like, oh, we'll make it work. Yeah. And then he says, oh, guess what? The Americans, they want to invest in your business plan. So I think we can make this work. 
I'm gonna stay here and run Luigi's ornament shop slash ceramics. I also want to point out I called that like oh, halfway through the Mary movie. Mary totally did. Halfway through the movie, I turned to Sarah and Megan and I was like, "Here's what's gonna happen. He's gonna get the deal, but then he's going to like it's going to be like just him that takes it, not the company. He's gonna like poach this client from his company and just like you know run Luigi's place out of Rome." And so that's exactly what happened. So we just are left to assume that, of course, he's going to have an extremely successful personalized tour guide business, and he's going to just paint Christmas ornaments for the rest of his time. But, of course, they will fall in love. They will live happily ever after. They've already fallen in love. That's right. It's true. They already did. And they're going to just, like, live in Italy forever. And that kind of wraps up Christmas in Rome. That's a good bingo. Congratulations. Now, we're up to the segment that we like to call Hallmark Christmas Bingo, of course, which we define as the most cheesiest, the most predictable, the most Christmassy of Christmassy things that would feature in any plot line in a Hallmark movie, essentially. This one maybe has some special ones because of its particular Italian tie, so we'll start with Mary and her thoughts on the bingo moment. Okay, because going into this, I basically wrote an entirely new bingo board in my head for just this movie of things that I was just waiting for them to happen in this movie. And several of them did. I'll actually start out with saying the one that did not, and I'm kind of proud of them for not doing this. I was convinced there would be like a Lady in the Tramp Italian restaurant moments where like they're eating like spaghetti and meatballs together and there's like someone playing the accordion or something and like they everybody sighs over what leopards they were they are did not happen proud of you homework and <laughs> i thought to go with that i thought there would totally be like some large um personality chef oh yeah with, like a big mustache and he was probably called i don't know also luigi or maybe he's mario maybe mario yeah so you yeah, know so they, they didn't do mario. that that's okay. right but here, here are some of my special Italian homework bingo moments that did happen. We did get a Trevi Fountain scene, and it was predictably not nearly as crap as the Trevi Fountain would ever be in real life. Because you have to fight to make your way to that fountain. Right. You have to fight through crowds. And um, tell me, what is the story exactly? Because I've never been there. I only know, like, because they, they very clearly mentioned three things. Right. So, I mean, I don't know. I've always been told just you're supposed to throw a coin backwards over your left shoulder, I think, and that means you'll come back to Rome. They added two more rules that I have not heard. The second rule being if you throw two coins, I don't know, you find romance or something, yeah. and three coins you find true love. Obviously, he threw three coins before he knew about this and found true love. Right, so... But I don't know. Movie, I movie done. Right. Rules two and three, that might be a thing. I don't know. I just haven't heard it. Like, that's fine. I, haven't, I don't know all the things. Right. <laughs> Another thing I knew would happen would be mispronunciations, but like I kind of, I, I did expect a bit more out of Gretchen Wieners in terms of pronunciation, but let, let's just all take a moment to repeat here just for education's sake. Grazie. 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 Molto bene. Molto oh, bene. Grazie. Now what Gretchen Wieners said was grazie, a la Brad Pitt and Glorious Bastards, which Gretchen, next time, you know, stop by my class. That's right. We can help you do better. Another thing I knew would happen would be unnecessary Italian words just sort of like dropped into an otherwise fluent conversation in English. When there are words that like somebody speaking this fluently in English would definitely know how to say these words in English, but we're going to throw them in Italian just to like add flavor. Things like niente or prego or like 
stuff like that. So that obviously happened. There were indeed street performers. I didn't see any accordion players, but there were indeed street performers. That yeah. was another one. And finally, um, the opening was faux rap pack music oh, instead yes, of actual Italian good. music. But it was still kind of like I didn't hate it. I'm not gonna lie. It wasn't. It wasn't quite Mambo Italiano, but it was. It was nearly. It was such. well, no, because they 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 couldn't get rights for that. No, I'm sure. But. I'm sure. Honorable mention goes to something that was not on the special Italian bingo card I had in my head, but probably should have been, and that was the seven selfies of Rome. I'm actually not going to explain that. No, it's not really worth anyone's time. My bingo moments would definitely be slightly more traditional, as I don't, I haven't been to Rome, and I don't have such an interest in Italian culture as Mary does. But when they were in St. Peter's Square, they, or no, is this outside of the Colosseum actually when they first meet? I can't remember which. They first meet in front of Castel Sant'Angelo, which is um, very close to the Vatican. Okay. So they're out the front of there and they literally smash into each other. Yep. And, you know, very typical, oh, I didn't see you there, blah, blah, blah. Like that, it, it, it does happen. We had figured out there's one other movie this year where this has also happened. But like, it's kind of a little bit of a throwback bingo card space because they have done it many many times before and it seems to have died out a bit but they actually bumped into each other which okay fine also a point that i thought was a bit cheesy bingo-y it is a typical square but they had a little bit of an italian flair with this one they made a gingerbread house with the neighbor kid and like of course the, first of all, the neighbor kid's gingerbread house was fucking immaculate. It really was. Like, <laughs> what like, are these children being like perfect? Crazy talented. Like, I have made gingerbread houses with children. They don't look like that. This was like stunningly beautiful gingerbread house that this girl of like no more than 10 made. But Oliver was attempting to make the Coliseum gingerbread house and it was just like a massive disaster. I don't know. I thought it was like aesthetically pretty cute. It just like was really like structurally unsound. So I guess he's not a gingerbread architect and we can't blame him for that, but like it, it was a little bit a little bit cheap for me. And the one you love you so near Santa Claus is waiting in the wings. We've obviously decided that this might not have been as full of cliches as we would have thought, but there were some definite predictable moments. But what do we think is maybe related for our hashtag relatable segment? I I had a couple of these. One for me was towards the beginning. Oliver's talking to someone at work about, and he says something like, she's like, oh, do you think you can make the deal? And he's like, are spaghetti and meatballs Italian? And she's like, well, actually, no, Italians don't eat meatballs on spaghetti. That's true. I was proud of them. You, that is correct. Was, she was screaming at the television. But then when but in a good way, Shabir, in a positive way. When Lacey Chabert corrected him, she was very, very happy. Yeah. That was not Lacey. That was one of his coworkers though. That was Oh, I thought it was her. No, that was like someone he was working with. It was and his I was boss. like it was, his boss. it was the boss. There we go. Oh, right. It was the boss. And she was like, No, I'm pretty sure Italians, you know, they eat spaghetti and they eat meatballs, but not together. And I'm like, This is accurate. This is accurate. I've disappointed I've crushed many dreams of college students who dream of eating spaghetti and meatballs in Italy, and they're like, oh. I can't do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's like my grandfather who came back from Italy and was like, I could not find Alfredo anywhere. I was like, oh, that's because it's not a thing. He was chicken parmesan. I'm sorry. 
What else, Barry? Did you have another relatable thing, did you say? I actually did. The part where he's about to hire her as a tour guide, he says something like, it's tough to get around in Rome. True. Extremely true. I, this is a subject for another day in another podcast. I have stories about getting around in Rome. I, I had adventures on Rome's transit system. Well, now obviously, if you had a Vespa, you would be able to go wherever you wanted. No, that's true. I mean, but it, then you'd have to park it, and that's hard. Yeah. And, like... Yeah, because she traveled a lot of places in her best spot. Megan, what about you? Did you find anything relatable? So I had thought once when I was living in um, New York that I might want to, as a side gig, do tour, be a tour guide. And then I realized how much I hate tourists <laughs> and how stupid they can be. Now, now, I say this as somebody who sees American tourists as a little bit, like they don't want to do the local thing they no, only no, want to see that yes and so um the thing that i found really relatable is that she wanted to start her own company it seemed like to cater more towards the people who wanted to have a little bit more of a unique real experience real experience and i felt very close to that and i was like yes that's what i wanted to do in new york i wanted to get people on their feet moving around walking up and down the streets i thought it would have been fun real real stuff go oh, to the yeah. bakeries <laughs> of course right. she um she also was marketing it as like custom tours. And yeah. I'm kind of like, how many people can afford that? But I don't know, maybe maybe there are, are a lot more. Well, she has a seven selfie of of uh, Rome idea. That's true, the seven Which selfie. Like the I, thought that was, I thought that was Tomazos, I don't know. No, that was okay. hers. Oh, that was hers, right. seven selfies her around? I was gonna talk about something that probably pisses me off in every single homework movie that we have seen, like since the <laughs> beginning of time, essentially. And this is when they're on their date. He <laughs> professes his love to her and that they should be together forever and ever and ever. And she actually says, but it's only been a couple of days. <laughs> Which I said that out loud, like right before she said it. And I was like, what? But then, then, then he says, but it doesn't matter because when you know that you know and blah, 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 blah. blah. But anyway, <laughs> good for Gretchen slash Lacey slash Angela for recognizing that how could you be in love with me? And she kind of doesn't immediately come back with, oh, I know. I'm in love with you too after only a couple of days. For what it's worth, I think that we might have seen that in a couple other movies this year. There was at least some momentary recognition of the fact that they haven't known each other very long. And we at least this year have not seen any proposals. At least not in the movies we've reviewed for the podcast. And That's so I, I do appreciate that we haven't this year had a ton of couples like getting married after five days, which yeah. is a thing that Hallmark has definitely done with some frequency in the past. Yeah, so they're stepping up their game a little bit, so that's good. Snowflakes falling to the ground Little kids running all around When you're in love At Christmas time So first of all, I want to make something clear, and that is that before recording, we all three agreed that one thing has to happen by the end of this movie. We're not sure yet how it's going to happen, but it has to happen by the end of this movie. And that is that Gretchen Wieners will make Fetch happen. That's right. We're going to bring it back into Christmas and Roll. So now for our rewind moment. That's right. For the red pen rewind and rewrite moment. So we're going to set it up that essentially the movie starts the same. Yes. Oliver comes over, they meet, you think it's like a meet cute thing. Everything is the same up until the point where they go to Il Forno 
to make Panettone with Luca. And bear in mind, she's clearly been coming to Il Forno for a while and bringing lots of people here. And she and Luca clearly have a good relationship. They've known each other for a long time. What if it's more than that? That's right. So then they go in the back. She and Oliver go in the back. They start making the bread. And that's when Luca is like, oh, geez, I just made her fall in love with someone else. Yes. But because he's a classy guy, he's not going to like crash her date the way that what's his face did back in the movie with the designer and the, you know, the one. Yeah. So that's not going to happen. But instead she's going to realize she's going to realize that like Oliver is this workaholic who's like now in 24 hours had this like, Oh yeah, I'm going to enjoy life transformation. Well, we didn't buy that transformation and we don't think Gretchen should either. Right. So they kind of, you know, she's still taking him on this sort of touring of Rome and all of that sort of happening. And maybe even they do get to know Luigi a bit more. We think that sort of throughout the course of this movie, the story is going to change slightly and it's going to be um, Angela slash Gretchen who kind of ends up with Luigi's business. And then she's without her parents, of course, as we learned, she's been living in Rome forever. She probably has like the gumption to run a business, but maybe not quite the skills, but Luigi's going to show her how to stop. Right, because I don't think Luigi's entirely ready to let go, and I think that what he really wishes is that he could pass this business on to one of his children, and I think that, you know, he and Angela could come to have this very close, like, parent-child type relationship. So, fast forward to when Oliver is making the ornament, and Luigi comes in to talk to him about that, and says, hey, you know what, leads him down that path of thinking, oh, he's not going to get the business. And instead of saying, you got the business saying, I found a a better suitor. I found Angela. Angela is the perfect kind of person to help me break into the markets I want to break into and also be able to take over this family run business. So I think Oliver maybe just fucks back to New York. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Because I just never bought his like, conversion from workaholic to like person who appreciates life like i'm sorry it was it was temporary and superficial that was not we had no reason to believe nor did gretchen have any reason to believe that like that was going to be the him she was entering a relationship with so he smashes the ornament on the ground takes the next flight to new york and then he's gone and she maybe is at first a little bit like unsure about all of that and it kind of maybe is just shaking her up slightly because this guy like she'd spend time with she thought i don't know maybe she's a bit confused but she is able to have a moment maybe she like looks at the panettone in her fridge or something <laughs> it's like i've messed this up all along it's luca yeah it's luca so then she goes on christmas even though they're closed. Of course. And tries to find Luca. Screams Luca's name outside the window. And he peers out from the top, which is where his apartment is. That's right. Above sees her the down on the street. She digs out an accordion. She starts playing his music. <laughs> Thank you for incorporating the accordion, Megan. Sure, not a problem. <laughs> He's like, Mi amore. That's right. And the chef comes out. No. Do you want me to correct your possessive or do you not want me to correct your possessive? Because I can if you want me to, but we'll, we'll let it fly. We'll let it slide. In the end, there's probably like a real family dinner, unlike the one we saw in this movie, with like lots of people and children running around and, and like Seven Fishes style Italian dinner. I don't know any, 
I know a lot of Italian-Americans who do seven fishes. None of my, like, Italian-Italian friends do that, I don't think. Well, whatever traditional Christmas dinner they do. You know, I don't know. Sure. I mean, I know, Mary, you said it's maybe not the biggest of the holidays over there. Yeah, I mean, Easter traditionally might be. Oh, yeah, there we go. And Alfredo sauce (laughs) on the side. Chicken parm. They they would end, I think, with, like, a big real dinner. And, And... for fuck's sake, speaking Italian. <laughs> there were all these conversations among characters that, like, should have spoken Italian to each other that they just didn't, which they leads did me it. to believe that, like, Angela, the happy tour guide, does not speak Italian, which was troubling to me. So I think, like, and even if it's just, like, chatter in the background, like... Sure. And they're happy and, like, I don't know. Then he takes her out into the balcony, kisses her, and she goes, and that's how you make fetch happen. Yes. And scene. That's right. <laughs> and so this one is still, in my mind, slightly cheesy, but far more realistic for a woman who has been living over in another country for many, many years, and as opposed to like falling in love with the first American that comes to town. Can, can I suggest a soundtrack alteration for the end when yeah. she says, and that's how you make fetch happen? I want the notes of Rafaela Carra's hit, Tanti Guri, the lyrics of which translate to how beautiful it is to make love from Trieste down, Trieste being one of the northernmost cities in Italy. So the idea being how beautiful it is to make love in Italy. Mm-hmm. And those would be the closing notes, credits roll. I got a little hot and bothered there. Whew, Mary. <laughs> we are going to go to Rome and fall in love. <laughs> You're in love at Christmas time And all the love that you The next part of this show, of course, is we look at next week's movies. So we, I, I can honestly say we haven't quite survived the Thanksgiving week of movies. I haven't watched the Christmas at the Plaza. I'm going to the Plaza on Friday this week, so I need to see that one. But I really want to predict Christmas at Dollywood. Oh, and we will get there. But we also, we didn't even get to talk about... Um, or watch yet Sense, Sensibility, and Snowman, which was a competing movie. To I, yeah, I would one. I would still like to do that one at some so point if we have I time to we'll, fit it if in. If we have time to come back to that one, we, we probably will because, you know, we've got the DVR. So this coming weekend, we have the Hallmark Hall of Fame on Saturday night, a Christmas love story, which, as we know, could be any number of these movies. Starring Kristen Chenoweth, the uh, Broadway actress, and Scott Wolf, another former member of Party of Five. Then we have Christmas at Dollywood on Sunday, starring Danica McKellar from Wonder Years and Dolly Parton as herself. We also have, over on the Miracles of Christmas, we have A Homecoming for the Holidays, and we have... Time for you to come home for Christmas. So I'm not really sure what the difference between. I'm sorry, it's called time for you to come home for Christmas. There's going to be time travel. Ooh, this is going to be a time travel one. In space, (laughs) I don't know about space. We could we could work that in, but I think this is going to be one of those you know Christmas Carol type things. Oh, where like you know, I love that style. Right, get a second chance to see what their life could be like. Right. And the thing is, though, the title's so generic, it doesn't give us much to go on. And so 
you know, home for Christmas, time to go home for Christmas. Like she's probably a city girl who's going to go home to her small town for Christmas or whatever, but there's going to be, you know, a Christmas past where she is growing up in her small town and doing Christmas things with her loving family. And then um, a Christmas present where her sad family is doing Christmas things without her and she's doing her busy city life. And then a Christmas is yet to come where like she is warned against a future Christmas where she is sad and lonely. Cause she's a workaholic. And alone, everyone's forgotten her and her high school sweetheart I was gonna say married someone else, but I actually think it would be better if he would be the male equivalent of Mary Bailey and It's a Wonderful Life where she turns out to be a librarian spinster. So I want him to be a male librarian spinster actually. <laughs> now see, when I heard that title, what I thought of, because my son is obsessed with Daniel Tiger, is a watch factory. Okay. Clock oh. factory. So I thought maybe- So they're making like Christmas clocks. Can we make yes. like cuckoo clocks? Oh, well, all the, all the clocks. They make all the clocks. I like it. Time to come home for Christmas. To me, it's just too generic, but maybe her family runs a clock factory and she's going back. We could do like a, a mashup That'd of your awesome. two plots. <laughs> yes. And, and in fact, there's an element that I see with the clock that is letting us know we are moving forward or, or behind in time to indicate where she's traveling to. A bit where that's like a very physical thing we see. That would be all good. The, all the clocks <laughs> go nuts in the factory, to, and she's all confused, and then she wakes up in the past or whatever. But I love those ones. I have to admit, I'm a fan of the like second chance at figuring out your life because nobody gets to do that ever. So it's really cool when they get to do that in movies. However, no one does it quite as well as a Christmas Carol or It's a Wonderful Life, especially not Hallmark. What Can about I, um? What is Christmas at Dolly Road? I really want Dolly to be playing a Santa type role. Can we make this happen? Like, I don't need, she doesn't need to literally be Santa, but she needs to be like the person that makes the Christmas magic happen, which I actually think this is realistically what will happen in the movie. Like, because they said with an appearance by Dolly Parton, they clearly couldn't afford her in a lead role, but she's going to be somehow involved. And I think the role she needs to play is the like angel slash Santa slash Christmas magician of some kind. Yes. Yes. What's the angel? It's, well, it's a wonderful one. Clarence. Yeah, she's like Clarence. She can be like the Clarence, except like where Clarence doesn't do as much because I don't think that she will have much more than a cameo. That's right. But um, um, speaking of which, I also just watched Christmas at Graceland and Priscilla Presley. Is, is she really? Is in the movie. Really? Wow. So one thing that I found out about Dollywood way back in the day was uh, that their hours are not nine to five, which is really sad. Oh, that is sad. How could they not be nine to five? Yeah. I think that's because nine to five is like the musical nine to five is implicitly rejecting the nine to five workday paradigm. What but, about, yeah. I mean, obviously with a movie, uh, two movies on Hallmark Channel, one being, of course, Christmas at Dollywood, and the other one being a Christmas love story with Kristen Chenoweth, there's surely going to be a music singing. act. Like, and, and a big musical act. Yeah, like, both movies are going to have some kind of show that they have to be in. And a house something. that lands on an evil person. Oh, yeah, that would be good. Mm -hmm. But whatever happens, and I don't know who exactly we're talking about here, but whoever they are, I think we can all agree about one thing, and that is they, they will, will fall in love. love. So tune in next week. We still haven't had a chance to review the bundle game, but we're going to get to it. It's hard to believe that today is the 1st of December. We can start opening those advent calendars. 
And we're going to start running out of Hallmark movies to talk about pretty soon here. So, yeah, we'll see you next week. Hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. Ciao. Ciao, ciao. ciao. Arrivederci. At Christmas time With your This last time of the year And you with your sweet little lady There is no better time in the world But your sweet, sweet girl Merry Christmas to all of I'm a vagabond part that doesn't have rules. My life is roulette. You know my numbers. Non c'è odio, non c'è guerra. Dove ha letto l'amore c'è. Da Trieste in giù. Tanti auguri a chi tanti amanti ha. You can find Hallmarked Up all over the internet at www.hallmarkedup.com on Facebook at Hallmarked Up with Mary and Sarah, on Instagram at Hallmarked Up. And don't forget to look for our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more.